Today's scripture reading is John 14, 15 through 27. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Father, even hearing those words just now, just reminded of our incredible need for you to intervene in our world. God, we come today, many of us, I'm sure, with heavy hearts, distracted by the things going on in our, in our world, by the things going on in our own lives. God, it is hard not to feel heavy. And it's hard not to feel alone. But you have given us your spirit. You've given us this, this helper or friend, and, and so we pray even now, would you send him? Would you, would you remind him, remind us in him of your presence with us, never ending, never leaving? Would you give us conviction where we need it of your truth and help us to, to find rest and joy in your truth? Give us comfort in your presence knowing that you are not done with us or with your world. And give us great joy, knowing that you are our Redeemer. And so we love you. We cast all of these things upon you. We pray them in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, like many of you, I have been haunted by the images of people trying to flee Afghanistan, right? Think about planes that are just overcrowded, Airports that have been overrun and now even with terrorist activity, with, with you know, people holding on to planes. I mean, you just kind of put yourself in that, in that spot. It's like, how, how could this be, right? I mean, it's so overwhelming. I think, I think about the Christians living there. I, I think about families and friends, communities torn apart. And this past week, I even tried to think for a moment, like, what would it be like to be one of the ones who's there and left behind? Like, what would that be like? 
to, to, to say goodbye to, to friends or family members and look around you and all you see is hostility, loneliness, and mess. I mean, it's that, the feeling of loneliness in that moment, the, the sense of being abandoned. Like, is there, is there anything worse than that? Like, I'm not, I'm not sure there's anything more frightening, in my opinion, than the thought of, of being abandoned, of being, being left alone. And sometimes we feel that in, in big ways, sometimes in, in small ways, right? Kids, you, you know that feeling as you walk into a new school. Others of you feel alone in your marriage, alone in a new city, abandoned by friends, alone in fears or depression or temptations. And the, and the thought of dying alone, listen, people, I'm, a, I'm an introvert. I love my alone time, okay? I need my alone time. And yet the thought of, of being abandoned a feeling like I'm utterly alone in the universe. I mean, this, this is what I, what I think of when I think of those left behind in Afghanistan. And in many ways, this is, this is what I think of when I, when I read this story that, of what Jesus is, is about to do to his disciples. Because he's going to leave. I mean, I mean, think about that. Jesus leaves, and they're, they're what seems like the worst possible time. It's, it's like their hour of greatest need. They've given him everything. They put all of their trust in him. He's about to go to the cross, and he's going to leave them. And their world is falling apart all around them. How can he do that to them? I mean, how can he do that to us, Right? I mean, if, if I'm honest, sometimes I feel alone. It feels as if Jesus has abandoned us. Sometimes it feels that way. And I, I know for, for many of you, you felt that as well. Sometimes we feel alone. So Jesus, what are you going to do about it? We'll turn to John 14 through 16. It's three chapters. We're going to just highlight a few chunks along the way. It's a lot, lot of text. But John 14 through 16, it's, it's a scene in which Jesus' disciples are truly about to feel utterly abandoned. And so what does is, what is Jesus, what does he tell them? What does he promise to them? What do we need to hear from him? Well, Jesus promises to give them a friend, which, I don't know, kind of sounds weird, maybe a little bit cheesy, like, okay, great, a friend, that's really nice. Um, he promises uh, the Holy Spirit, right? The third member of the Trinity, Trinity, often the most sort of overlooked or neglected. In fact, we're, we're in kind of a bit of an unusual series for us. Usually, we, we, you know, we preach through kind of books of the Bible together as a church. And right now, we're kind of in a more theological series, trying to tell the story of the Holy Spirit from beginning to, to end. What do, what do we see in the Scripture about this third member, this often forgotten member of the Trinity. And here in John 14 through 16, Jesus promises his followers this friend. Look at, look at 14 verse 15. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. Okay, so that, that word translated there as, as helper, it's a, it's a tough one to translate. It's the Greek word paraclete, 
It's used four times in these, these three chapters of John. Paraclete is the, is the Greek word. And there's, there's not really a perfect English translation for it. And so depending on what translation you have, you may read all different kinds of different things there. And so other, other translations have advocate or counselor or comforter or friend. There's not like a perfect one for one. So it's kind of a, a hard word to translate. I think the word friend captures it the best because it covers all of it. Friends are helpers, right? A good friend does comfort you, does it, it advocate you, is a counselor to you. This is what friends do. And this is Jesus's, one of Jesus's favorite names for the Holy Spirit. Paraclete. Friend. And the first thing we learn about this promised friend is that we need him. We need a friend. We need the Holy Spirit. And I know for some of you, you hear that and you're like, yes, yes, I, I'm so, I feel so alone, right? I'm so overwhelmed or whatever it is. Yes, yes, Nathan, I need a friend. Others, others of you are, are quite the opposite. Like, I don't need anybody, right? I'm, I'm doing just fine, right? And I certainly don't need some divine, mystical, Casper the Friendly Ghost type friend, right? And truth be told, I, I kind of waffle between the two. I, I understand that feeling. I, I go back and forth between like utter dependence absolute desperation, to like arrogant self-confidence. I got this, it's fine, right? Many of us do. And yet the clear and humbling message of the Bible is that you and I were never meant to live our lives alone. We were never meant to do it by ourselves. We were made for a relationship with God. Even if you go back to the, the first week on the Holy Spirit, we talked about the Holy Spirit as, as creator, right? That he put his breath in us. And that breath constantly beckons us back to him. For we we were friends with God in the garden. And we long to be friends again. We were never meant to live our lives alone. And Jesus Jesus knows this. He understands this. That we were never meant to live without him. He understands our, our deepest longings and existential needs for relationships. He understands our fear of being alone. And so when he prepares his disciples for his departure, he knows the agony that it's going to leave. And and so just even the context here, this this scene happens just after the Last Supper and just before his arrest. So think about that. There's not not a lot of time left, right? And Jesus knows that. He knows what's, what's happening in this moment. And so he sets out to comfort his disciples. Makes sense, right? But in some ways, if you read John 14 through 16, it's sort of like the worst pep talk ever in some ways. I mean, no, no, no offense to Jesus, right? But like it, it, it begins and ends with comfort. And there are lots of comforting things that are said. So even like the, chapter 14 begins like this. Says, Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. Like that's, that's the beginning of his speech. And he ends in chapter 16 again with comfort. He says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. But in the middle... Like right smack in chapter 15, right in the middle of 15, he says, just so you know, everybody's going to hate you. Everybody. They're going to they're marginalize you. They're going to misunderstand you. They are going to persecute you. Some are going to try to kill you. You will be afraid. You will be tempted to fall away. And did I mention that I'm leaving? It's like, again, worse pep talk ever. And yet, church, 
Like, this is the expectation of the Christian life. Hostility and loneliness. Whether it's from the people around us, uh, the struggles around us, or or just even of, of living in a broken world, if you follow Jesus long enough, you will feel alone. Kids, some of you understand this, I think, better than some of the adults uh, here. Because, like, kids, you, you know that sense of, of being alone. I think as adults, we're, we get really good at just sort of, like, stuffing it down, right? We, we try to, to minimize those emotions. We think that we're, we're invincible. Kids, like, you know, like, students, when you walk into a school for the first time, a new school, or you sit alone at the lunch table, or, or maybe, maybe you're past that, but you're, you're out on your own for the first time, right? You've got a new job, a new city, and you are on your own. Maybe you're older than that, but you're in what feels like a very lonely marriage. Or maybe you've been single, single a lot longer than you thought you would. Or maybe you've just lost a loved one. We need a friend. But not just any friend. We need a friend who will tell us the truth. That's the, that's the second thing. We see here. So, so four times in this, in this section, the Holy Spirit is referred to our, as our friend, right? Or, or our helper. And three times he's referred to as the spirit of truth. One of the reasons I think we sometimes feel so alone is because we don't, we don't know what's true. We don't know which way to go, what to do. And we all, we all want to, right? I mean, no matter what you believe, no matter what you even think of the word truth, like we all want to know the best way to live our lives. We, all, we want to know the, the things that are, bring us the most satisfaction, the greatest sense of happiness. We want to know what's right. We want to know how to, how to discern between the conflicting desires that we have. We all want to know what's true. The trouble is you can find someone to tell you literally whatever you want to hear, Right? We have an endless array of options, all claiming to be true, all promising happiness, and yet all too many of us know the loneliness of indecision and regret. We need a friend who doesn't just tell us what we want to hear, or who just affirms everything about us. We we don't need a friend who encourages us to live our own truth. We need a friend who tells us the true truth. In church, we have such a friend. Skip down a little bit further to 1426. Jesus says, but the helper, right, the friend, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. You skip even further down in in chapter 16, verse 13. uh, Jesus says this, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. And and the implication here, and and maybe you picked up on it even even as it was read a a moment ago for us, the implication here is that this truth is going to lead us towards obedience. Like, it's not just a theory of what's true, right? It's it's an action, right? Uh, Remember how Jesus first introduced this friend in 1415? He said, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Jesus' love language is faith-filled obedience. This this is why uh, Jesus says about the Spirit in 16, 16 verse 8, and and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin 
and righteousness and judgment. Convict? What kind of friend is this, right? It's like, no, no thank you, right? But this is, this is the kind of truth this true friend brings about our sin, like our, our rejection of God, about, about our lack of righteousness. That word is also translated as justice, so not just my sin, but our sin, which leads to judgment. We have a God who will judge. And we call him friend. I mean, can you imagine if you had a friend that every time you hung out, all she ever talked about was your sin, our sin, and the coming judgment? Like, pass. No, I don't, I don't want to be with that person. And yet, you and I both know the loneliness that comes from our shame. You know what I'm talking about? Like the regret that comes so often when we end up following our truth. How we end up hurting ourselves, the people around us, the people that we love. I mean, just like, think about the, the words that came out of your mouth again. To the people that you love most on the planet, it happened again. Or, or you were in a low place, and so that, that compulsive purchase or that, that moment of gossip to try to make yourself feel a little bit better, and you did it again, or you woke up hungover again, or you, you went to those websites again, you woke up in that person's bed again, and you, you promised yourself that last time was going to be the last time, and yet you did it again. Is there anything more isolating than shame? Rebecca McLaughlin, everyone should, should read her books. She's one of my new favorites, actually. Uh, two of her books in particular, I've uh, just finished up, Confronting Christianity uh, and 10 Questions Every Teen Should Ask and Answer About Christianity. They're, they're outstanding. Um, we're going to read the second one together, actually, as, as a family. Really, really good. And in these books, she wrestles with some of the biggest hurdles to Christianity, like the Bible's teaching on sex. This is very personal for her. She's wrestled most of her life with same-sex attraction. So this isn't like a theory of what the Bible teaches. Like, this is personal. But she, but she knows. Like, we can follow the truth within us, truth, or so often around us, which in our culture says you should have sex as often as you can with whoever you want, whenever you can, right? And we actually believe that that truth will make us happy. And some of you are trying to live that truth out right now. But she points to to studies that clearly show it just doesn't work. It doesn't make us happier. Not most of us, and especially not most women. But for both men and women, it makes us lonely, lonelier, and desperate. And many of us know it. And it's not, it's not just sex. Like this is this is what sin does. Sin alienates us first from God and then from others increasing our shame, and maximizing our loneliness. If only we knew what was true. Imagine it like this. If you're you know, hiking on the edge of a cliff and there's this drop-off that you don't see up ahead. Like, what, what do you want a friend to do in that moment? Pat you on the back and tell you you're going to be fine, right? Do you want them just to sort of affirm that your truth, you've got to walk in your truth, man. You've got to do what you want. Like, no, of course you don't want that. Nobody wants that. I want a friend who reminds me of a better path, and obedience to Jesus is always the better path. I want a friend who will grab hold of me and yank me back, even when it hurts, before I fall. 
You know, we tend to think that if there's real truth in the world, like real truth, it's going to limit us. It's going to restrict us. And you know what? It's absolutely right. It will restrict you. I mean, for, for example, the truth of gravity limits you. You can't fly. Right? You, you, don't have to, you don't have to agree with it. You can reject it as much as you want. You don't have to submit to it. But if you jump off a building, nobody calls that freedom. And similarly, with God's moral truth, yes, it will limit you. Of course it will. Just like gravity. But it will also set you free because instead of the weight of having to find your own truth, which is so much pressure, like what if you get it wrong? What if you're not good enough? What if you mess up along the way? Which leads to anxiety, depression, and shame. And look around our world. This is where we live, people. Like denying gravity, getting surprised when we're hurt. What if, what if instead there was something objectively good and beautiful in our world? What if instead of being left to our own devices to try to figure out what's right and wrong, what's best, what's good for me, what's good for the people around us, what if, what if we had a true friend to help show us the way? Church, we have such a friend. Don't listen to your heart. Your heart is a liar. Like, my heart doesn't even know what I want most of the time, right? My desires are constantly at war with one another. Don't listen to the competing voices around you. Listen to the friend Jesus himself has given you. Confirm what he says to the scriptures. These things are often tied together, right? Confirm what he says through, through other believers, right, who also have this friend with them. And then obey. Think about it. You and I, we have someone in our life who loves us enough to tell us the truth. Will we listen? Of course, if you think about that one too far, it gets pretty overwhelming, doesn't it? Because the truth is scary. Like, I don't, I don't know if I want to know the truth about myself. And I certainly don't want others to know the truth about me, right? Because we, we know the experience. When people find out too much about us, when they see who we really are, this is when people leave. They walk out. And maybe you're even thinking, like, if, if she only knew this about me, if he only experienced that, if they understood who I really am, when we're, when we're known, when we're confronted, when we're really seen, some of the people around us walk out on us. And the spirit of truth I mean, he sees it all even better than we do. Every regret, every dark and hidden place, he sees. But he will never walk out on us. He'll never leave the room in the middle of an argument. He'll never stop loving you. And church, this is, this is what we need. We need a friend who will never walk out on us. That's the third thing here friend who will never walk out on us. And so, yes, he, he tells, like this, this friend tells us the truth about our sin, which is scary, right? But he also tells us the truth about the cure. For Jesus declares that this, this friend's job is to incessantly remind us, to incessantly preach Jesus to us. 
to whisper his name over our shame, to his presence over our loneliness. Look again at 1526. Jesus says, he will bear witness about me. This is what he does. He bears witness. He tells the truth about Jesus, about the cure. 1614, Jesus says, he will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. He's the one who constantly preaches the gospel of forgiveness, grace, and mercy directly into our isolated hearts. He is the voice of God's love to us. And he will never walk out on us. Even just go back to the words we read at the very beginning, John, John 14. So John 14, 16, Jesus says, he will be with you forever. John 14, 17, and 18, he says, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. Love, I love that Jesus promises that to us. In 14, 23, Jesus says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. That last one's my favorite because you, you see the whole trinity on display there, right? I mean, Jesus says, we will, we will come. Jesus, Jesus and the father, we will come to him by the spirit and make our home with him, which has been God's plan from the very beginning. This is the spirit story. Where is God's home? His home is wherever you are, as his people. We are his home, together, collectively, but also individually as his followers, and he will never leave you. Yeah, okay, I, I know I need friends. I don't want to be alone. I mean, I, I get that, but, but why this friend? Like, I, I've got my people, right? I, I'm not interested in Casper the Friendly Ghost, get that. And I know how ridiculous this might sound. And of of course we need real human friends, right? As often our our human friends, our our church family, where we experience God's presence, right? Where we we hear his voice of truth together, like you, you need the church and you need good friends. Of course you do, but they will never be enough. Like our, our longings are too big for any one person or people to fulfill, I mean, even our, even our best friends, right, they're going to disappoint us at some point. They're, they can't give you everything you need, your spouse or your, your parents or your child. Like, no human can do that. It's not fair to them and it's not fair to you. And even if they could, eventually they're going to leave us. I mean, I think about this with my, my wife, Kelly. She is my best friend in the world. I, I adore her. Um, She's, she's like the best human I know, truly. And I, I love being with her. I, I would spend every moment I could with her. Even so, one day I am either going to attend her funeral or she will attend mine. And what then? What will I turn to then to sustain me? If that's, if that's where I have foolishly put all of my, my hope, right? All of my, all of my joy, all of my, my goal for satisfaction, or even, even think about like, your closest friends, I think about our closest friends, it'll be the same. We will take turns watching each other lowered to the ground or scattered to the wind. And we'll do it until there's one of us left. What then? If that's been our place of comfort, our ultimate, if we're looking there to, to fill us, to give us what we, we long for, it'll never be enough. Yes, we, we need human friends, we need the church, we need family and a tight-knit community. But they can't be enough. We need this friend promised to us. 
The friend who, who will tell us the truth even when we don't want to hear it, who will bring conviction to our hearts, who, who will gently, lovingly pull us out of our isolating regret, but won't leave us. Who won't leave us in our guilt or our shame, who, who will never walk out on this, this, this friend who can be yours forever through Jesus. And if you're not, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I know you, I, you've got your reasons. I, I know that. I understand. But I hope that you'll reconsider what he is offering to you. The deepest longings of our heart, the, the greatest fear of being alone or being abandoned, he longs to be this friend for you. Ask him to reveal himself to you. Ask, ask him to be this friend that he longs to be for you. And if you are a Christian... He is already at home with you. Are you at home with him? Getting to know him. Spending, spending time in his word, with his people. Devoting our, our lives to, to understanding who he's made us to be and how we can walk closer to him. Are we attentive to him in those places, particularly where we find the deepest amounts of loneliness or shame? Are we watchful for his presence? He is the friend that our heart is ultimately longing for. And so let's pray to him now. Let's, let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, our triune God who we can't even begin to, to understand or fathom, and yet we come to you in worship, in adoration, and in desperation. Would you remind us once again of our great need for you? Would you whisper once again, yes, conviction to our hearts, show us the areas of sin in our lives, the things that we have left unchecked that are ultimately leading to our destruction. God, would you convict us now of those things? But don't leave us there. And you also whisper to each one of us words of grace and love and forgiveness. Would you remind us that you will never walk out on us, that we are yours, bought with a price. And so, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you take this truth and root it deep within our hearts. And Lord Jesus, we give you all praise and glory. For you are the one who has given him to us, but also the one who's made it possible through your life, death, and resurrection. And so we worship you. As we come to your table now, may each one of us meet with you. May we know through your spirit, your presence, even through these simple elements of bread and juice. Do that work in us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.